Amen. Please remain standing. Tonight I would like to direct your attention to Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60 as we continue uh, making our way through the book of Isaiah. Tonight we will be on chapter 60 verse 10 to 22. Beginning from verse 10 to 22. The word of the Lord. Foreigners shall build up your walls, and their king shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Your gates shall be open continually. Day and night they shall not be shut. That people may bring to you the wells of the nations. With their kings led in procession. For the nation and the kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid west. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you. The cypress, the plain, and the pine to beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you. And all who despised you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated, with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from edge to edge. You shall suck the milk of, the, of nations, you shall nurse at the breast of kings, and you shall know that I, the Lord, I am your Savior, and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. And instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make your overseers peace. And your taskmasters righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in your land. Devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall be no more your light by day. Nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light. And your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down. Nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. And your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting the work of my hands that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan. And the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, once again we come to you, our Heavenly Father, 
to feed us by the bread of life. You are master. You speak to, uh, to us as your servants. And we want to listen to you as you speak to us. So Lord, we ask you to give us a humble and submissive heart to now open our hearts and our ears to heed the preaching of your word. Lord, help us to hear and obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight we once again come to a marvelous section of Isaiah 60. You remember in the uh, preceding verses, God told the people of Israel, His people, that the time of gloom and darkness has come to an end. And the Lord was pleased to show His mercy upon His people by shining His glory upon them. In this chapter, verses 1 and 2, God told them, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people's, but the Lord would arise upon you, and His glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. So you see, God already told them that now it is a time of visitation. God will visit His people with salvation, with deliverance, with restoration. And His people should arise and shine their light to all the nations around them. You see, therefore God commanded them to arise and shine the glory of the Lord that God has shone upon them through the salvation and restoration He brought to them. Then notice in verse 10 what God tells His people. Foreigners shall build up your walls and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath I strike you. But in my favor, I have had mercy on you. Foreigners shall build up your walls. You see, these foreigners were uh, those foreigners whom God sent to Israel to actually take his people to captivity. While the people of Israel were among them, they believed in the God of Israel. They became worshippers of God. Now, they are no more their captors, but they are their fellow believers in the Messiah to come. It is so marvelous. It's so wonderful when these people turn into believers and now they are, they are participating in building, building up the wall of Jerusalem, including the temple. And God is telling them, foreigners shall build up your walls, and their king shall minister to you. So God is telling them, I am doing something new among you. I, I am uh, 
doing something marvelous that you have never expected. This is a time of rejoicing and worship and celebration. But what is so special and extraordinary here is God becoming an everlasting light for His people. Think about that. God becoming an everlasting for His people. Of course, here Isaiah is speaking about the spiritual light, insight, and comprehension that God uh, gives to His people. So that his people would understand God's redemptive plan. How God deals with his people. How he chastises them. But also how he visits his people to uh, show his mercy and to restore them to himself. God will reveal himself, his redemptive plan to you, Isaiah is saying. And you will see and understand that the salvation and deliver, deliverance he, God brought to you through the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is everlasting. It is beyond of this life, beyond of the grave. Listen to what God is telling them in uh, verses uh, 19 and 20. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the, uh, shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light. See, God is telling them, your light will not be the sun. Your light will not come from the moon. This created, um, created light, but God himself will be your everlasting light. God will open your eyes, your understanding, and you will see who God is and how he, he saved you and how He will renew everything for the glory of His name and the salvation and the joy of His people. But who is this God? The God who will be an everlasting light for his people. Who is this God? Tonight, I want us to ask that question because Isaiah tells us who this God is, who have, have become the everlasting light for his people. And we'll start with that one. He is the mighty one of Jacob in verse 16. I, 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 want us, I, I, I first want us to see that. The mighty one of Jacob in verse 16. Now this mighty God of Jacob, who is the everlasting light for his people, will, uh, give, uh, will, will uh, give his people uh, the understanding and the insight of what his salvation is for them. And then secondly, we will... Consider that this mighty one of Jacob, he has, um, he, he redeems his people by the sacrifice of his own in verse 10. And then this mighty one of God, who is the everlasting light for his people, has built a wall around his people. And then lastly, we will see this mighty one of Jacob, 
He provides an everlasting light for his people. So first consider with me that this God is the mighty one of Jacob. Notice verse uh, 16. You shall suck the milk of nations. You shall nurse at the breast of kings. And you shall know that I, the Lord, I am your Savior and your Redeemer. And now listen to this. The mighty one of Jacob. Does this statement struck you as, as a believer? You know, if Isaiah would say, the mighty one of Israel, and I would understand that. You know, God called the people, their name was the people of Israel. So, you know, we would understand. But now, God is calling himself the mighty God of Jacob. Now take a pause and think about that. It is the mighty one of Jacob who is becoming the everlasting light of his people. And what is that? Well, we know from the scripture that God is the God of Jacob. The phrase, the God of Jacob, is used in the scripture 25 times. God must be the God of Jacob. 25 times God calls himself the mighty one, the mighty God, the God of Jacob. Let's go to Psalm 46. And, and notice how God um, presents himself as the God of Jacob in Psalm, Psalm 46. Verses 7 to 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. Now listen to this. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That must be good news to God's people everywhere. That God is the God of Jacob. And who was Jacob? Jacob was the second born of Isaac. To whom the birthright didn't belong. It belonged to his brother Esau. He was not born deserving the birthright. And that is the picture of you and I. Because we were born in Adam. We were born not deserving God's mercy and God's birthright. We were born deserving God's wrath. The psalmist in Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. 
Jacob was like that, and so do we. All children of Adam. But how did Jacob deal with his spiritual condition, not deserving God's birthright through deception? Through cheating, he came out of his mother's womb trying to push back Esau to the womb of his mother to get the birthright that belonged to his brother Esau. That's who we are by nature. We want to get God's mercy and favor through our own way, through deception. That's who we are by nature. And when we do that, we are cheating. We are cheating Christ from his glory and salvation. You see, that's Jacob's way. The hill catcher, the Bible calls him. He deceived his own father to get the birthright. That is, you know, ugly picture of sinners. But here, the good news is, Jacob, the worst, the worst sinner, was an object of God's mercy. Do you see that? The reason why God calls Jacob, calls himself the God of Jacob, was Jacob was the object of his mercy. He was the object of his grace. God didn't give Jacob what he deserved. God didn't give us what we deserved. Remember when the pre-incarnate Jesus met Jacob in mercy. Jacob wrestled with Jesus the whole night and the Lord gave him a new name. God said, Jacob, you are no longer the cheater, the hill catcher, but you will have a new name. Your name will be Israel, the prince of God. Do you know why he got a new name? Because when, he, when Jesus met him, he got a new nature. The pre-incarnate incarnate Son of God gave him a new nature. Romans 8, 1 and 2. You see, that's what happened when Jesus met you and I. Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Jeremiah 23, 6, in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. You see how God visits the life of sinners like you and I. Starting with Jacob, our father Jacob, in Abraham, Isaac, but now in, in this context, Jacob, and gives us new life, new nature, as a result of his mercy and grace. And how did Jacob know that? In Genesis 48, you remember Jacob uh, speaking to uh, his son, Joseph, in Genesis 48, 15 and 16. And he blessed Joseph and said, this is Jacob, 
the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys, and in them let my name be carried on, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multiple in the midst of the earth. My son, God has blessed me. God changed my life. He changed my nature. He blessed me. He blessed my children, my descendants. Jacob told his son, Joseph, God has been so good to him. The God of Jacob. And how did Jacob know that? You see, if you believe in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, he will reveal himself to you in a very personal way. And we see that, you see, in our text um, tonight, in, in, in Isaiah 60, uh, verse 10, God said, For my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. And then if you go down in verse 16, you shall suck the milk of nations, you shall nurse at the breast of kings, and you shall know that I, the Lord, I am your Savior. I will reveal myself to you. I will show you how I save people, how I change their life. Isn't that what Jesus tells us in John 10, 15, I lay, my, I lay down my life for the sheep. In a very personal way, he calls his people my sheep, for whom I died, for whom I gave up my own life. Very personal. Then we see Christ, the mighty one of Jacob, redeems his people by the sacrifice of his own. We see that in verse 10. Foreigners shall build up your walls, and their king shall minister to you. Now, this is what I want us to see. For in my wrath I strike you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Let me ask you this. Is there anyone in the sanctuary tonight? Who has been struck because of his sin? No? But Jesus was struck because of our sin. Because of our sin. You see, God, through Isaiah, is saying, In my wrath I strike you in Christ Jesus. He took, he took the punishment for you. So in, in a sense, God is saying, I punished you as a sinner, but you didn't take that punishment. Jesus took that punishment for you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Mercy means when you, when you don't get what you deserve. is mercy. And then when you receive one, what you don't deserve is grace. 
And in Christ, you see, we experience both of them. Jesus took the punishment away from us. God the Father put the punishment upon His Son instead of you and I. And then he, give us, he gives us His own righteousness as a gift. We received something that we didn't deserve. Grace. Undeserving gift of God. Jesus died, my brothers and sisters in Christ, for His own people. With each name on his heart. When Jesus died on the cross, he, he didn't die on the cross saying to himself, I'm going to die on the cross. So that nameless mass of people would believe in me and be saved. No, Jesus died on the cross saving his own sheep. And all the names of his people, his children, being in his own heart. You see, Jesus in John 10 said, I know my sheep and my sheep knows me. We know one another. I know them by name. Very personal. And, and when, when God through Christ comes to the life of sinners, He makes that salvation known in a, in a very personal way. Do you know that? When you confess Jesus, what do you confess? Jesus died for my sin. Personal. When you take the Lord's Supper, you eat the bread, you drink the wine, very personal. Another person doesn't take it for you, you take it for yourself, it's very personal. When you stand and make public profession of faith before the whole world, before the congregation of Jesus Christ, you confess Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and King. Jesus reveals this salvation to us in a very personal way. And Jacob knew that from God. You shall know that I, the Lord, I am your Savior and your Redeemer. Your Redeemer. And then sec secondly, Christ, the mighty one of Jacob, redeems his people by his own sacrifice. Jesus died for each and every one of us. Isaiah 53, 6. Where Isaiah tells us, speaking about this suffering Messiah in 53, uh, 6. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. And then Christ the mighty God of Jacob has built a wall around his people. Verse 10 and 11. 
Your gates shall be open continually. Day and night they shall not be shut. That people may bring to you the wells of the nations with their kings led in procession. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid west. You know, God through Christ, through the Messiah, becomes like a wall around his people to protect his people. Why do we need a wall? We need a wall to bring those who belong, you know, to be inside, to bring them inside, and then to keep those who are not wanted to be inside out. Yes? And Christ is um, like a wall around his people to bring his sheep in and to keep the enemies of his people out. In Zechariah 2.5, the word of God says, I will be to her, to Israel, a wall of fire all around, declares the Lord. God is going to do that through the Messiah, through Christ, who will come in and will go out, and we will be protected by Christ. John 10, 28, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I will protect them. I will protect my sheep. That's the protection. Lastly, we see Christ, the mighty one of Jacob, becomes his people's everlasting light. In verses 19 and 20, The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Now, Isaiah here is speaking about uh, the last times. He's speaking about the age to come, the, the wonder of that time when we will no longer need created light, sun and moon. And why is that? The Lamb, read the book of Revelation, the Lamb who was slain will become the light of that city, the new Jerusalem. But we are not there yet. So how do we understand that? In the case of God's people today, this is our spiritual light. God is present with us and among us through Christ who is the light of the world. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And this light is everlasting. Because through Christ we have what? Everlasting life. In that everlasting light we have this everlasting what? Light. Understanding. Insight. You know, we have a living example among us tonight. You know, this morning and tonight. As believers, we, we lose our beloved ones. You know, God takes them to glory. 
And then what, what do the saints do? Do we just become angry with God and stop worshiping Him? No, we come to His house and worship Him. Why? Because we have that light which is everlasting. Our mind and our heart, you know, is looking beyond the grave. We have that light, everlasting light. That's what Isaiah is talking about. For unbelievers, it's foolishness. You know, you lose someone whom you love, and you go to church and worship God. He just took your beloved. No, he took him to a better place. He took him to heaven. He took her to heaven. And I don't have any other reason than worshiping the Lord. But we need the light. You see, a person needs that light in his life to respond to God, to God's providence and love and care in that way. That's why you see, God became our everlasting light. Our everlasting light. That's why God is called the mighty one of Jacob. Our everlasting light. For us to grasp, to understand all these divine blessings, riches that we have in Christ Jesus. God being our everlasting light. You see, that's why God is called the God of Jacob here. And the everlasting light for his people. Now let me ask you this. Is God your everlasting light? Have you seen the light? The light of your salvation. The light of your living hope in Christ Jesus. A living hope that goes beyond of this life. Beyond of the grave. Do you have that light? An everlasting light. Isaiah is saying, this God, the mighty one of Jacob, is your everlasting light. Amen. Let's pray. A gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for, you are our everlasting light. Outside of you, apart from you, we have no understanding. We would be in darkness. We would be ignorant of who you are and what you have preserved for us in heaven forever. But because you are our everlasting light. A light greater than the sun. The sunlight greater than the light that we get from the moon. You are our spiritual light. And we understand that the life that we have in Christ is an everlasting life. And we understand that because you are our light through Christ, the light of the world. Oh Lord, help us to take comfort in this, to be at peace in understanding that you are God. You are our everlasting light. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.